It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 3rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians head to the polls today to elect federal leaders and determine the fate of three ballot measures. The Secretary of State breaks down what voters need to know on this election day. Then, this year's rematch for the Senate is expected to be tighter than the 2018 special election. We talk to a Mississippi-based pollster on how this race is different. Plus, in a string of campaign rallies, the president has suggested he might challenge the results of the election. We examine the history and process of contested elections. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians are heading to the polls today to cast their ballots, and the turnout could be one of the biggest the state has seen. Around 113,000 new voters have recently registered, increasing the active role in the state to 1.9 million. There are reports of long lines outside polling precincts as voting began this morning at 7 o'clock. According to the Secretary of State's website, nearly 50 polling locations have been moved, but not all precincts are reporting location changes. Secretary of State Michael Watson says voters should double check to make sure they know where to vote. He is also encouraging voters who head to the polls today to be conscious of the threat of COVID-19 by wearing masks. While you do not have to wear a mask to go vote, I believe you are protected. Your right to vote is protected by the Constitution, and that cannot be abridged by just the the mere um, occasion of not wearing a mask. But please use common sense. Uh, please wear a mask when you go vote just to protect Mississippians, to protect, protect our poll managers and all those in, uh, in the voting precinct area. Uh, again, uh, we just want to encourage you, to strongly encourage you to wear a mask when you go vote. Poll managers will have masks on, and uh, we're looking forward to a great day. Uh, what, a, what an incredible time to let your voice be heard. Uh, we're so excited by the turnout that we've seen in absentee voting, and we believe that that's going to extend to voting. Uh, and I look forward to a great day for the future of Mississippi as well as the future of our country. 
Voters heading to the polls should be aware of polling policies. No campaigning is allowed within 150 feet of polling sites, and voters should abstain from wearing clothing with slogans or politically charged messaging. Watson says if voters see something suspect, they should inform poll workers. So what we've encouraged them, all of our poll managers as well as our circuit clerks, there's a proper chain of command. Uh, So your poll managers who are there, uh, look, huddle up. If you've got a question, make sure that everybody's on the same page. Talk to your circuit clerk. Talk to your local law enforcement. If if you want to call the sheriff, if there's any kind of voter intimidation, if there's any kind of uh, breaking of the law as far as folks campaigning within 150 feet, again, there's the proper chain of command, and we've made sure they're aware of that. So I I don't expect any problems as far as that's concerned tomorrow. Yes, Scott. Poll observers, have you been contacted by the Department of Justice or any outside agencies about observing the elections and monitoring them? We're not aware of any federal uh, response from that uh, as far as, as I'm concerned, as far as we're aware, again, in our office. Uh, we will have some folks going out from our office to look and, and make sure that everything's going smoothly. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, there are a couple of different folks who can have them by law, uh, but I encourage all them to wear their masks, too, by the way. While lines are forming in the early hours of in-person voting, over 231,000 Mississippians have already submitted their ballots absentee. The total more than doubles the number of absentee ballots from 2016. Secretary Watson says the processing of those ballots begins today. Under uh, Statute 1521, as well as our administrative rules, they can start processing those as early as 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Uh, the resolution board, each county will call a time specific for the resolution board to start their work. Uh, they will go through the process of looking at the absentee envelopes, uh, making sure that you know, which ones are rejected, which ones are not rejected and accepted, uh, and then they can start counting those at 7 p.m. But the process can start as early as 7 a.m. tomorrow, uh, and those numbers will start to be scanned in, or the ballots will start to be scanned in at 7 p.m. Even with a record number of absentee ballots and the expected high voter turnout today, Secretary Watson believes the results in Mississippi should be available without much delay. Possibly, because you have some states, Mississippi obviously is five business days uh, after the date of the election, but you have some states that have a further or longer lag period. Uh, so you could still have ballots coming in as many as probably five, six, seven days. I'm not sure which state is last on that number, but depending on those who wait to the last minute to try to cast their ballot, I hope that number would be small here in Mississippi. We've talked to, uh, till we're blue in the face, telling folks, do not wait. Get, get your ballots in as quickly as possible. Obviously, the USPS is going to be stressed. Uh, now, we've been assured from the Postmaster General as well as others that they are properly staffed and they're making, making a, um, a concerted effort and focused on election mail. Uh, so I hope that won't be the case. But, again, some of these states that have longer deadlines to get those mail ballots in could possibly cause an issue but not in Mississippi. One issue driving voter interest in this election is the medical marijuana ballot measure. With two questions on the ballot, they are multiple criteria, or there are multiple criteria, that need to be met for the measure to pass. Secretary Watson breaks down the process for determining the outcome. It is a a two-step process. Uh, The first question, obviously, is are you for either 65 or 65A or against both? Uh, so you would answer if you wanted, if you wanted to support medical marijuana. Obviously, you would ask, or you would circle in the, the um, bubble by for either 65 or against, or for 65A. If you're against both, then you circle the second one, obviously, on the first question. Moving to question two, the question then is 65 or 65A. You do not have to vote yes on the first one to have a vote on the second one. So I want to make that clear. Even if you vote against both, 
you can still vote your preference on the second question. Now, if you were 465, obviously, on the first question, you would vote for either, and on the second question, you would vote 65. If you were 465A, you would vote for either 65 or 65A, and then for 65A on the second piece. If you're against both, then obviously you can just vote against both, and you can skip the second part. But if you think the first one's going to pass and you want to have your voice heard on the second part, then you can vote on 65 or 65A, even if you vote against both on the first part. Now, process-wise, obviously the first one is a simple majority. Whichever one wins is the one that wins the question. Now, if for either 65 or 65A wins the first piece, it moves to the second part. 65 or 65A. That is simple majority as well. So if either one of those wins, that's the winner. That one also then has to receive 40% of all the votes cast in the November 3rd election for it to pass. So it's, it's a tough process and, and confusing, but again, we've, ha we've had a lot of opportunities here to explain this. So I hope Mississippi voters are prepared. Polls in Mississippi are open until 7 p.m. Anyone in line to vote before then will be allowed to cast their ballot. Those voting absentee have until 5 o'clock today to have their mail-in ballot postmarked. Coming up, this year's rematch for the Senate is expected to be tighter than the 2018 special election. We talked to a Mississippi-based pollster on how this race is different. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. One election the ballot on the ballot today might look familiar to some voters. That's because it presents a rematch of a 2018 special election between then-appointed Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith and former Secretary of Agriculture Mike Espy. Hyde-Smith won that initial meeting by seven points and is now running as an incumbent for a full six-year term. Once again, Espy is her primary challenger. But this time, some polling indicates the race could be tighter. Brad Chisholm is the president of Chisholm Strategies. He shares with our Ashley Norwood how the 2020 version of this matchup differs from the special election and discusses the factors that could play a role in its outcome. She was a, an appointed senator. He had not run for office in more than 20 years. So he had briefly six months to prepare um, so this year's contest allows both sides to uh, uh, generate a larger war chest, to, to be more strategic in their thinking and their efforts. And, and we've seen it uh, come to fruition for Espion that the race is a lot tighter than most people had given, it, uh, given them credit for. Uh, there's some polls that show it's a dead heat right now, uh, largely uh, because we see Mike Espy with the momentum and Senator Hyde-Smith just simply trying to run out the clock. Uh, he's been everywhere around the state uh, to the extent one can in this pandemic. Uh, she spent her time uh, in Washington or not making public appearances here in Mississippi. 
he's raised a ton of money, an unprecedented amount of, of uh, campaign uh, donations, small donations as well as you know significant ones. She is really unusual as a Republican senator in that she can't raise the money. He's outraised her almost 45 to 1 in the last uh, two, two and a half, three weeks. And it's, I mean, it's, you have a situation where she's such an embarrassment to corporate officials that they're afraid to give money to her because of her previous comments. So in essence, you have Mike Espy coming on strong at the end, having built this coalition, talking about, a new Mississippi, and you have Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith trying to hang on and run out the clock, uh, relying on a more traditional uh, uh, campaign that, that just says, I'm a Republican, I'm with Trump, and that should be enough. You know, that leads into my next thought, um, because we have seen, like you said, she's been pretty much avoiding the media. Hasn't She hasn't been campaigning um, as much as we've seen SB campaigning. We know he's gotten a lot of money, even some from the National Democratic Party, um, and, and has received this endorsement by Obama and Biden, and she's been endorsed by Trump. And so I guess having those endorsements, what do you think that says, or, or how might that help the individual candidate? Well, obviously, the, the Trump endorsement helps Hyde Smith. Uh, uh, you know, President Trump will carry Mississippi. It's, it's without a doubt. The question is, how many Republicans will switch and split their tickets? Uh, when Mike Espy was a congressman, he worked closely with Senator Cochran. He worked closely with President Reagan. Uh, he prided himself on being uh, a congressman for everybody, not just one party. And he's trying to convey that message that when it comes to job recruitment or uh, putting a good step, first step forward for Mississippi or making sure Mississippi gets its fair share of, of the federal resources, he would be in a better position. Uh, Senator Smith, on Hyde Smith, on the other hand, is just much more traditional, who has said, I'm for whatever tr- President Trump says. And uh, that may be enough. Uh, uh, but you know, that's what elections are for right now. Uh, the polls suggest that Mike Espy is, you know, narrowing the uh, the gap. The the reality is he needs just about one in four white votes in Mississippi if he gets the percentage of African American vote that he's expected to get. He needs about one in, uh, excuse me, one in five white votes. Uh, that's not that's a lot harder than uh, than it appears. He's got to do between three and five points better than Biden. So for Espy to win, he needs um, Republicans who are going to vote for President Trump to either not vote in the Senate race or a few of them to switch and vote for him or to vote for the Libertarian as a third-party protest. There's a third candidate in the race. Uh, who's a libertarian. So that's the scenario whereby SP wins. But right now, uh, if everybody votes along party lines in Mississippi, then uh, it will be tough for SP on Election Day. Can you talk to me about the latest polling? What does it show and what does it mean? Like, Is it possible that Mississippi could elect Mike SB? Well, it's certainly possible that Mississippi could elect Mike SB. Most public polling and private polling that I have seen suggests the flag 
is probably the new flag is probably going to be approved. That the amendment uh, removing the Jim Crow language from the ballot is probably going to pass. That medical marijuana has a good chance of passing. So you have these three things that that are very atypical of an old Mississippi. You know, there's a lot of people out there saying it's time for a new day. It's time for a new approach. We're not the Mississippi of the 1950s, the 1960s. Uh, That mindset benefits Mike Espy. Uh, Is it enough? We'll see on election day. But as we say, uh, he's gaining momentum every day. Uh, uh, She is just trying to hold on and run out the clock to stay behind closed doors until uh, the votes are counted on November 3rd. Uh, and hopefully hang on that that's how it all boils down to terms of in terms of what each candidate is doing well brad is there something that i didn't ask you that you think is important to mention she has had national attention several times for public statements that have embarrassed mississippi talking about public hangings talking about voter suppression in one respect, this race is a referendum on where Mississippi wants to go. Do we want to stay with uh, the policies and the images of the past, or do we want a new direction for our children and grandchildren? It's not quite that simple, but there's some of that tied up in this race. Brad Chisholm, president of Chisholm Strategies with our Ashley Norwood. Coming up, in a string of campaign rallies, the president has suggested he might challenge the results of the election. We examine the history and process of contested elections. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When Justice Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation process was rushed through mere weeks ahead of the election, dissenters claimed her appointment was a calculated move to tilt the court favorably for President Donald Trump in the event the Supreme Court had to rule on any election disputes. Recently, the president has intimated he would have lawyers ready to challenge results in key swing states. The talk of contested elections conjures memories of the 2000 election, one in which a Supreme Court decision regarding the certification of Florida's votes ultimately handed the presidency to George W. Bush. In part two of our conversation with Mississippi College School of Law professor Matt Steffi, we revisit that election and examine the process for contested elections. In the first instance, the, uh, the election contest plays out on the state level, a la Bush versus Gore, right? There is a, a, an important deadline um, uh, of December 8th that provides a safe harbor that if a state certifies its electoral college uh, results by December 8th, it's kind of immunized from further, uh, from further uh, contest, controversy, or protest. 
between November 3rd and December 8th, we are going to see potentially fighting in courts and at legislatures in states where the election is super close about which votes count, whether a recount is necessary in order to try to certify the results of that state by December 8th. If we find election contests uh, lingering on to Christmas or beyond, then we're in for real chaos. What we saw in uh, 2000 was ongoing litigation uh, in the state and federal courts that has to get through the early stages of litigation. Then somebody, whoever lost below, tries to take it up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court can choose to get involved. People would expect the court to choose to get involved because you know, the, 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 there has to be some final word on what the outcome is. Now, that will, again, be state by state. Say Michigan has a contested election. That'll be battled over in the lower courts immediately after the election. And probably somebody will try to take it to the Supreme Court in late November, where the Supreme Court will go into overdrive to try to issue some kind of a ruling. If it gets to that, if it gets to that. All right. Well, is it possible and what would happen if if it's up to inauguration day and there's still no clear winner? Then Nancy Pelosi becomes the president of the United States until they figure it out under a federal statute. Of course, unless that federal statute, too, is challenged successfully in the courts. But <laughs> under something called the Electoral College Act that, get this, goes back to the aftermath of the Civil War, I'm sorry, the Electoral Count Act. Um, I believe it's it would be the Speaker of the House that would become the president. But temporarily. Oh, yes, of course, temporarily. So, because it, While it's being resolved, okay. which is, right, a, a significant incentive to get it resolved uh, before inauguration day. What was the ruling that the Supreme Court just made regarding it was in Wisconsin where votes have to be counted on or by Election Day? That was the question was whether there could be a change in the procedure to count votes that were postmarked by Election Day, but not received until Election Day. And essentially, the Supreme Court just decided to stay out of it and let the lower court ruling stand. And again, on a state by state basis. You know, the results of that have been inconsistent, right? That some changes have been embraced. Some states are going to count by postmark. Some are going to count by date of receipt. Some states like Texas, at least with regard to Houston, are trying to make it as hard as possible for people to drop off their mail-in ballots. I mean, that's really, to me, as a person who observes the, the, uh, the, the workings of the Constitution, the most regrettable thing that we ought to make voting as easy and accessible and encouraged as possible. The country is better the more people who vote and the more people whose votes count. I understand questions about election security, but when they seem markedly political, designed to put a thumb on the scale of one candidate or another, it undermines, not reinforces confidence in the system. Uh, let me ask you, taking off your constitutional hat, what do you see 
Do you think it'll be court cases all over? Do you think uh, it'll be a close election or because the polls are f- certainly favoring Joe Biden, but the polls were sure, favoring yeah. Hillary Clinton four years ago. Yes, but the polls were closing, uh, were narrowing four years ago. And there was too much attention four years ago, uh, I remember, on the national polling, which was clearly always going to go for Hillary Clinton. And the, the the five Rust Belt states that were going to actually decide the election, which were narrow. And, and given the polls didn't move much after the last, the second and last debate, uh, the polling experts think there's some stability in it. I hope one way or another that we get a clear winner. If I had, if it was a true false question, I think that enough states are going to have a clear enough winner that this isn't going to be a replay of 2000. It isn't going to be endless court cases and principles of law that seem more political than legal. I I hope that's the case. I'd rather see a clear outcome uh, probably more than any other result, right? That the idea of elections is to decide who's going to be president next. Nobody benefits if that's undermined or chaotic. Matt Steffi is a professor of law at the Mississippi College School of Law. Matt, thank you so much. It's always my pleasure, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.